0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Seattle Nice. I'm David Hyde, here as always with Publicola's Erica C. Barnett, Erica, I'm, I'm happy you're here. I was kind of expecting you might be stuck in a desert in Nevada this weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you got me. You know, usually I'm at Burning Man. No, uh, I uh, <laughs> I have, uh, of course, been uh, watching the Burning Man discourse on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. X, whatever, with some glee, as, as have a lot of people. So so we're recording on Sunday, people are stuck in the mud, they're trying to still party. Diplo has gotten out. <laughs> you know, I don't know what else to say. By helicopter? I mean, it, is, it is like, it is kind of the ultimate expression of hubris that a bunch of tech bros... And white people with dreads who say that they are radically self-reliant—that's like the first principle of Burning Man—are now stuck out on the playa in mud. After, by the way, three days ago, calling the police on climate protesters who were blocking, you know, their caravans of massive gas-guzzling RVs from uh, from getting into the playa. So, anyway, it's it's Sunday. It's not looking too desperate yet. So, at this point, I feel fine. Kind of laughing. But, uh, but yeah, it sounds like it's going to keep raining for another day or two, so i'm I am glued mm. I'm, I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm glued to Twitter. <laughs> oh my
0: God, <laughs> Sandeep Kashik, our political consultant on the program. Are you two feeling the the laughter, feeling the humor when it comes to what's happening down there in the in the desert?
2: Well, I I I'm a little surprised why I'm so harsh on poor, you know, <laughs> the the participants and denizens of Burning Man. My God! Oh my God! Like, their like, private
1: airport isn't functioning. It's it's horrible.
2: I I en- enjoy a bit of Schadenfreude as much as the you know. Uh, the next, the next like, burner kind of bilious asshole, but like, come on, like, like, I don't know. I generally look, I will say this as a way of preface, like, in the last twenty years, the closest I've gotten to the Burning Man is the Piala Fair, right? You know, but um <laughs> uh, we, uh, <laughs> Which actually has more has more in common with Burning Man than people realize, right? Hmm. I mean, is
1: it full of rich assholes too? The
0: nudity, the fried butter, what exactly what's
2: the <laughs>
1: Just the sheer, like,
2: you know, performance art weirdness of the Pial uh, Fair. The, like, like, the depravity, yeah. the depravity, the
0: corndog yeah. depravity. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's right. The pial Fair is a journey into the unknown, my friend. Like, I mean, <laughs> so, um, but that said, like, look, I'm, you know, a, a big drug-fueled party in the desert. Like, I'm generally in favor of that kind of stuff so i have some sympathy i've never been to burning man but i have some sympathy for the people who go there a little bit unlike the fire festival remember that one that was like a true hilarious kind of Jod and fried mommy.
1: It's exactly like the <laughs> fire festival, man. I, my my favorite comment on Twitter about this was uh, somebody who tweeted, uh, "Burning Man is a national disaster. Finally, rich people are learning what it's like to be homeless and exposed <laughs> to the elements instead of just cosplaying it for a weekend." <laughs> a
0: friend of mine goes frequently, who actually now lives in New Orleans, and told me the first time he went, I was like, he was like, "Oh, it's it's a whole new society. It's it's amazing what they're building there. It's super cool." And I was like, "Well, like what?" And he's like. Well, for example, to conserve water, they have a human car wash that involves squirt guns, and I was like, "That's self-reliance, Erica." But it's also yeah. you know community working uh, together. Sorry.
1: Uh, wait, wait, t- tell me again about the cars that were required to get there. Um, and it's this- a
0: human car wash. Ah, this is a human. Ca- anyway, ah.
2: others won't get this reference, but David and I both went to Reed College, so Burning Man is kind of like Ren Fair on a grand scale, right? There's this end of the year party at Reed College that. Dates back to the 1960s that it's a kind of Bacchanalian, I don't know, orgy. There's like a lentil room and like, you know, there's a lot of.
1: But it's just filled with, filled, filled with lentils? Yeah, there's a
2: room filled with lentils. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, I don't know if there's still. Like, are you
1: being serious? That's that's fucking gross. There's no. There's <laughs> no. Are,
0: are they gross, yeah, Are man. they cooked? Yeah. Are they cooked lentils? I don't remember. No, those.
1: no, no. They were raw. No,
2: I, I remember. Raw lentils. Yes, I remember. I, you guys I'm, are
1: disgusting hippies.
2: I vaguely remember the lentil room. Let let's put it that way. I was not in a <laughs> in a kind of normal state of consciousness at the time.
0: <laughs> There's no, there are no pretensions of self-reliance. I will say, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. At Reed College, uh, or uh, there might be some libertarian politics, but it, it's uh, anyway. Steve Jobs did go to Reed College, so there are there were That's there right. were some tech bros briefly. Um, Today, we're not talking about, as much as we'd like to, the Burning Man debacle. We're talking about another debacle involving a program that was essentially designed to shelter homeless people in hotels. It fell apart earlier this year. And guess what? Erica C. Barnett, first to report on that, latest to report on that. Erica, tell us about this program and and kind of what happened, why we're talking about it this week.
1: Yeah, so it was a program that uh, the Lived Experience Coalition, a group of homeless and formerly homeless advocates, ran earlier this year to put people in hotels around King County uh, directly from the street. They got a grant that was a federal grant that kind of filtered down through a bunch of different organizations. They had about a million dollars and they really uh, vastly overspent that. And so the program fell apart and the King County Regional Homelessness Authority stepped in and got some money from the state to keep it going. And amid all of that, there was just a lot of consternation and accusations flying back and forth about who was really to blame. Um, a report came out this week that sort of explains the timeline a little bit better and shows sort of some of the places where this program fell apart and why it sh- probably shouldn't have happened in the first place. I mean, The chief among which is that the Lived Experience Coalition is not a, a service provider. They received this grant. They didn't necessarily have a lot of support to actually, you know, administer it. KCRHA, the homelessness authority says that they didn't really know anything about it. But at the same time, they put 121 of their own people uh, into these hotels. So there's just really a lot of blame to go around. And I think this report kind of sheds light on that and encounter some of the narrative. I think that this was just totally the lived experience coalition's fuck up. I mean, there were a lot of fuck ups that led to this program falling apart.
2: Well, and, and also, Erica, you should give yourself a little pat on the back. Cause I, this is a draft report, right? That, that you got a hold of, um, hasn't been issued correct as so, so far as I know publicly yet. Right. So, um, so nice scoop right there. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think the Seattle Times got it as well, but, but, but yeah, it's, it's good that this was getting on earth and we're getting a chance to kind of learn something about what happened here. Look, I read the report and oh my fucking God. <laughs> like what a cascade of like kind of stupidities and embarrassments like, like that, you know, buried sort of between the lines of the dry sort of bureaucratic language of this report is a complete indictment, not complete, but a significant indictment of how this fiasco happened. Right. And, and as you say, why it never should have happened in the first place. I mean, it's just kind of remarkable. And The lived experience coalition is very much at the center of this and, you know, bears the brunt of the blame. But I am with you in this report. It makes it clear there are all these other entities that either should have been more involved or should have been paying more attention or should have been stepping in to stop the this as as the red flags proliferated and did not. And the real question is, why? Right. Why did they fuck this up so badly? Like, well, hold on and, a second. And how are hold they on a, second.
0: Yeah. a joint statement by Building Changes, one of the groups, Lived Experience Coalition and United Way of King County said, we do not believe it productive to litigate the findings of this report. <laughs> it sounds like you want to litigate yeah. them. Uh, Erica, what about that? Is it not productive yeah. to litigate these findings?
1: I think that, um, you know, there are certain aspects of it that I don't necessarily think need to be litigated endlessly. Like there is there was a huge dispute between the lived experience coalition and building changes, which is a a nonprofit that served as their fiscal sponsor. And, you know, I mean, it sounds like building changes was not providing them with timely financial information. But at the same time, you know, the lived experience coalition should have known like, look, we've got, let's say, five hotels, and we're spending this much, you know, we're sending this much in invoices every week, we're going to run out of $1 million, like it's pretty easily divisible. So, you so, you know that i mean sure but it's also pretty clear that the lived experience coalition is not going to have a program like this in the future it's just you know this was this was a one and done particularly with the way it turned out so eh, you know i mean let's litigate that a little bit i think the larger issue as sandeep was suggesting is you know how did how did we get here in the first place and and part of it is that the uh, homelessness authority under mark dones who is the former uh, director you know really elevated, not just lived experience, which is, you know, something that people have been saying for a very long time, advocates and others, uh, that, you know, people with lived experience need more of a say in what happens in the homelessness world. And, you know, they need to be able to have some say in like what works, what doesn't. Absolutely true. But... KCRHA gave the Lived Experience Coalition this group unbelievable authority. I mean, it's like written into some of their founding documents that the Lived Experience Coalition gets to pick. You know, for example, members of the Implementation Board, um, members of another committee that oversees technical aspects of HUD funding. So you know, they're they're baked into the agency. And so for the KCRJ to say, "Oh, we didn't know this was happening," well, dude, you set it up. Like it it is you know, it is baked into the authority that these folks have tremendous power. And, and yeah, and I also think we need to litigate this idea that <laughs> KCRAJ didn't know that this, this was going on because they had people, they had staffers downtown taking people off the street and putting them in these hotels. So I, you know, the report doesn't really dwell on that, but it seems worth dwelling on. So Erica, you know, brought
0: up the, the idea of lived experience at the heart of this, lived experience is obviously something that's incredibly important in terms of better understanding, you know, the experience of homeless people, right? But how do you go from that concept to the idea of having folks with lived experience being in charge of an organization? Like, you know, what about qualifications or other factors? I don't know how this coalition was like put together who was on it. I don't know enough about it. But tell me what that balance looked like. Do you know?
2: Well, to your question about the kind of why, why was lived experience sort of the, the elevated in this kind of absurd way to being the be all and end all of everything? I think this is kind of the chuckle headed butt end of like overly ideological, for lack of a better term, like like trends in in progressive political culture, right? Like like this is a classic exemplar of people throwing like common sense out the window and saying, let's just hand a pile of money to these people that have no administrative experience or never run a program anything like this because they have some kind of authenticity, quote unquote authenticity about what it's like to be homeless, right? And and in the between the lines of this report you see like the meetings that the lived experience coalition convened when they sort of first put together this plan, right, to get this money. First of all, the, the board that gave them the money, which is a board that's established by FEMA, had more than 25 percent of the board's members we're members of this lived experience coalition. So there's a kind of self dealing aspect to it. But then all of the meetings of the board were about like how this plan was going to be about anti racism and, you know, empowerment of marginalized community. And not a whole lot of thinking went into like, how the fuck are we going to sustain this over time if we're going to hotel a bunch of people with a one time grant of a million dollars? It's not just that that money's going to run out. There wasn't even any consideration of like, does it make sense for us to do this as a one-off? How, how are we going to find longer-term stability for this? What do we do? What do we do when the money runs? None of that was being taken into consideration. The organization that granted the money, let me see. There's a kind of blizzard of, of acronyms here, but they're called the, uh, the emergency food and shelter program, right? This committee, that committee, not only was it heavily, you know, involved a bunch of lived experience coalition people on it, but its own mandate said that this money cannot be spent on any kind of new programs or new. this is supposed to go to existing programs, this money. And instead, they handed it to the lived experience coalition that had no experience and was setting up a brand new program. So like right from the get go, it was like fucked up on so many different levels.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you can make all those points about the the way that the, the money got granted without, you know, necessarily saying this is like, you know, um, progressivism gone too far. I mean. You know, the, the, the concept of nothing about us without us, you know, I believe, it, it, you know, it definitely exists in the disability movement and in many other movements. I mean, it's not, um, it's not like this radical idea that, you know, you ask people who've actually experienced the thing you're trying to fix, um, hey, what would be what would be useful? What would be what isn't working? What is working? So I, I actually think that lived experience and, and incorporating that is a really good idea. And it's really important. And it's not less important because of lived experience in this case is being homeless. That said, I mean, yeah, I I agree that there were mistakes made all the way down the line, including, you know, at the federal level, the United Way of King County is another one of that alphabet soup of groups that is uh implicated here because they, you know, are the ones that administered the grant. I will also say, though, on the flip side, I mean, the fact that this is a one-time grant, to use that argument, we would never do one-time grants and all the money that came out, you know. It became available during COVID, uh, you know, you ha- could have the same criticism of, like, why did we give one-time grants during COVID? Well, because people had an extraordinary need. So I think, you know, there is uh, an understandable impulse to grab money wherever you can get it. There is not enough money for homelessness in this region. I think the Lived Experience Coalition, you know, having a, a slightly different philosophy than the King County Homelessness Authority, you know, said, look, we see a need, the need is people living on the street and we're gonna put people in in hotels. Uh, The problem was, you know, this probably wasn't the right money to do that with. And they, um, you know, as you said, didn't have the experience and I would say actually didn't have the support to make it happen, and the the King County Regional Homelessness Authority has really distanced itself from the lived experience coalition. I think overcorrecting, if anything, <laughs> you know, by saying like we didn't know anything about this, we're gonna, you know, they backed away from them in, in other ways as well, and are kind of trying to disassociate the uh, the government authority from the uh, the advocacy group. But uh, you know, in what may be a bit of an overcorrection, so. You know, I just, I, I just want to make clear: there's lots of blame to go around, and it isn't all just like sort of progressivism gone amuck, giving you know people who are formerly homeless too much power. It's, it's more like a systemic failure that started from the top.
2: Yeah, it, it, it totally was giving formerly homeless people too much power just on the basis of the fact that they were and money on the basis of the fact that they were formerly homeless without any consideration of whether they had the qualifications to actually implement and run a program like this and and yes that is a systemic indictment but it's rooted in kind of i think some some overly ideological assumptions right that that come out of latter day progressivism for sure now look i mean your earlier point i think is is the big one here yeah this was a one off Nobody's going to repeat this mistake again, right? I mean, it's such a spectacular fuck up. Like, it's hard not to learn lessons from it, right? Right. Even for people that are blinded a bit ideologically about this stuff. But your point, earlier point, is the one that really matters, which is that the lived experience coalition nonetheless is embedded in a very integral way into a whole series of the sort of governing boards and and the kind of machinery of the regional homelessness response system it's not just that they had the kind of uh, undue influence over this fema board that handed out the the million bucks to them in the first place but the continuum of care board right which is a which is a hud mandated board that had its own scandal that we've talked about a few months ago where they you know had a blow up over appointing a sex offender to the to the board that led to kind of a national embarrassment, again, that board is significantly dominated by members of the lived experience coalition. You know, as you said, King County RHA is distancing themselves from the lived experience coalition, but they're the primary funder of the lived experience coalition. They're the people that grant them the money to exist in the first place, right? And then sort of say, oh, we didn't have any kind of oversight over their program. Well, you, as you said, they empowered them and created them and fund them. And so- and then you're going to say they can k- kind of take all this money and run off on their own. And if they don't, if they're incompetent about it, well, it's not our fault. Like that's bullshit and embarrassing. Look, I, I, philanthropy too, right? We are in, right? This very kind of, you know, well heel, like very sophisticated mm-hmm. foundations coming to the table, funding all, you know, they sign off on all this shit too. Right. It's super embarrassing for them. And I'm not sure they've completely learned the lesson here. Well, I mean, either. to be
1: clear, I, you know, I, I do think you're saying this is massive, embarrassing, the hugest thing that ever happened. Like, I, I you know, it is it is a million dollars that, you know, the King County Homelessness Regional Homelessness Authority ultimately put in. We are in also provided some funding to essentially save this program. But, you know, I mean, pulling back even a little further, like, I think there's just, there's a question of, you know, how effective has the King County Regional Homelessness Authority been? you know how much time has it i won't say wasted let's, let's just say um, spent doing kind of experimental stuff that has not panned out and you know and and how how is it going to correct for this and can it correct mm. for the overarching you know sort of series of decisions that were made not just with the lived experience coalition but stuff like we are in's you know partnership for zero which is a program that is, uh, you know, trying to eliminate homelessness downtown. In fact, they were supposed to have done it by now. <laughs> um, right. You know, and I, and I think that, you know, I, I just think that we're revisiting sort of everything that was set up and all these major programs, like two years in. Uh, to this new agency? And I I don't know, man. (laughs) I mean, it, it looks, you know, they're looking for a new CEO right now. The first time they tried to find a CEO was, you know, before the KCRHA had any of this baggage and they had a lot of trouble then. So I am very curious to see what's going to happen after the interim CEO leaves, you know, if they're going to find a new CEO and and sort of what's going to happen to a lot of these programs that were set up under Mark Dones that have not done what they said they were going to do.
0: Can I ask a follow-up, Erica? You mentioned, you know, Agencies experimenting, and that this is an example of that. And we've been experimenting with various programs to try to help homeless folks for a while in the Seattle area. Now, you're not against the concept of experimentation per se, but are you kind of suggesting maybe there's too much of it and there's more known things that we ought to be doing? I mean, what's your what's your criticism there?
1: I think that the KCRJ started out with this attitude of we can we can do things better and differently. And I think that comes out of sort of how it was set up. It was set up by, you know, essentially implementing an idea that Mark Dones, who was then a consultant, for King County had for you know how we could radically change, you know, the idea the concept of a homelessness agency. And there was a lot of ill will that happened because um the KCRHA came in sort of saying everybody is doing it wrong, uh, or that's how it was perceived. And we need to bring in all new experts and we, you know, need to do things ourselves. Like they have their own programs, which is not how we usually do it in, in this region. There are lots of nonprofits that have been doing this work for decades. And they sort of devalued, I think, at least in the perception of the nonprofits, uh, some of the work they've been doing. And so, I think that, yeah, they did come in and say, we know how to do it better. And as it turned out, fixing homelessness is really fucking hard. And, you know, and there were agencies screaming at that to the at the top of their lungs when KCRHA came in and said, you know, we don't we don't think you're doing a good job, essentially. And now they're sort of realizing, like, oh. And maybe they realized this all along. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to, you know, overstate this, but they're, but they're saying, oh, it actually is really expensive and really hard when you don't have a lot of money, uh, which they don't, they have basically the same amount of money that has already always existed, because they're funded by the city and the county you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to fix things. I mean, a partnership for zero is just a great example of that. If you go to downtown Seattle, there are homeless people there and there are homeless people there because homelessness is pervasive in Seattle and people are mobile and people can move. So, you know, I just, I just think there was a lot of, uh, arrogance at the start that, you know, that, that, that they're now realizing, you know, that they can't reinvent every single wheel.
2: Look, I think that's true. I think, Erica's you're spot on about that. I think there was. And, and and by the way, this was not the first time. Let's go back even a little farther, right, to 2016, right? And the city, the, the previous sort of star outside consultant was Barb Poppy, right, who was brought in to kind of assess the homelessness system and kind of ran around town telling everybody that. You know, Seattle's homelessness response was a complete mess and we had plenty of money and we could solve homelessness if only we weren't so stupid and like spent the money a little bit more efficiently and look at at Salt Lake City or Houston and those cities have, you know, solved homelessness and why can't Seattle? It's because everybody's an idiot in Seattle, right? And that was just what I mean That was wrong. We didn't have adequate resources to solve the problem in Seattle. Houston and Salt Lake City were not good comparisons because of some very, very different sort of fundamental-like variables that went into issues like cost of housing and their zoning laws and all of that kind of stuff that made for huge differences. The scale of the problem in Salt Lake City was much, much smaller, right? So this is, again, a pattern we've been seeing of of kind of – False starts and wishful thinking fueled by new players who come in, you know, overly confident and not willing to kind of be a little more thoughtful and collaborative about how we do fix what are some real flaws in the system as this incident exposes. It's not like things are are hunky-dory in Seattle with our homelessness response. But to come in, as you say, with this kind of like, I'm going to wave a magic wand and change everything overnight and it's all going to be like sweetness and light. I mean, that's not reality, right? You go back even farther, the 10-year plan to end homelessness. Remember when we were going to, you know, start this thing and in 10 years end homelessness? Well, you know, there was more homelessness in Seattle after the 10-year plan ended than before it, right? So there's been a constant like litany of these Initiatives and overpromises and overconfidence, right? That's 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 I think marred the system and marred our ability to, to make the actual progress we need to make.
0: All right, I guess Sandeep Kaushik gets the last word this week. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of Seattle Nice, and thanks for those who have been donating. We're spending that money on a weekly basis to help out with editing. And other expenses that we have here. If you can help us out, please do. We're at Patreon. If you want to advertise, we've had some great advertisers in the past year. Just email us. It's realseattlenice at gmail.com. And to everybody else, thanks so much for listening.